Lucky number seven. Lucky number seven. Like the movie Seven. Should oh, I spell it out like that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> seven. That, that's a good movie reference. Hui. Seven. The movie Seven that Joey still has not seen. Joey, we told you. He hasn't Joey. seen that or gone girl and he loves Fincher. Joey. Joey Jordan. I'm calling you out. Anyways. Yeah, welcome back to the show, everyone. Uh... It's a beautiful July 22nd as of this recording, and uh, I'm your host, Ethan, along with... I'm Brandon. And I'm Chris. And well, today, we got we got a, we got a good old show for you. We're, uh, we're sort of... I'd, I'd say we're sort of mixing up the format a bit. I mean, you know, like, we're not really talking about the overall quality of the film. We're talking about film scores, right, gentlemen? Yeah. Yep. How, how did everyone do, do this week to prepare for this podcast? Chris, what what did you do this week? Well, in terms of like watching movies for film scores, I didn't I didn't do any of that. But it was a lot of like me re-listening to the scores themselves, and it was like a lot of just like going through like just memories of like what great film scores are to me, um, and just finding a variety and like realizing like it's such like a diverse subject because there's so many ways you can go about a film score, and like of course different genres, much like any kind of music. So yeah, that was really, really great. Yeah, so I did a lot of listening on um, on like Spotify and uh, YouTube of just like going through film scores and just finding different kind of music and different kinds of sounds and trying to figure out which one appeals to me most. Is Spotify good for uh, uh, listening to film scores? Yeah, I mean like it's all right. Like I oftentimes like I'll find, yeah, you can still find, like all of the scores that I've chosen were on Spotify and all the entire score was there, every track. So I would recommend it. I mean, uh, I'm not entirely sure where else I would go. Maybe YouTube, I'm sure, but I don't have a Spotify. I don't. I don't trust them. Music streaming services. I don't mm. trust them. I feel mm. like I don't know. If I want to listen to music, I want to like own it, you know. So, but I don't buy them. I like that you say that even though our podcast is literally on Spotify. People are yeah. probably listening to it on Spotify right now. I listen to Stacked on YouTube like the like the good fan. You hear that, Spotify listeners? If you're a you're good fan, good you, fan. Know, you give us views on YouTube. Because I, I, I can't tell how many people listen to our podcast on Spotify. Can you, do you, if you have an account, can you see how many people listen to it? I don't know. No. It just huh? you can see the track itself. I don't think it's you can just see the serious. Track. Maybe maybe a million people are listening. Maybe three. Maybe maybe not not at all. <laughs> we'll never find out. Will Anyways, we? that's pretty cool. How are you? How about you, Brandon? Yeah. Oh, it was an easy list. Yeah. Really? That was it. No, <laughs> no, no. I I I was trying to decide whether or not I wanted to do musicals like musical scores. Or if I wanted to do something more traditional, and I went the more traditional route because just like there's so many 
beautiful scores out there that aren't really highlighted in cinema and i wanted to like pick those i mean there's one that that is on my list that's well known but the other two are like yeah not everybody knows about it so Mm -hmm. that's good yeah i um we should probably clarify like go into like what's the definition of like what we're including on this list like we're not including soundtracks per se we're not like your guardians of the galaxy or uh what's another like once upon a time hollywood once upon a time in hollywood the big lebowski those are all those are all like uh films that use uh, other songs that other people made these are in this list we're compiling films with completely original soundtracks made for the film that we love so much and yeah i had a fun time listening through uh gathering my soundtracks one of my films i had to go a little i had to go deep 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 into the internet to find the entire score for this film like it's not on youtube it's not on Sp- it's not on spot i don't know if it's on spotify it's probably not if it's not on youtube it's probably not on spotify so i'm listening to mine right now well that's freaking cool no one else can hear it i know <laughs> it's just for me um, well i'm, I'm uh, happy for you yeah. I hope it gives you joy. All right. Well, it's out of the way. Let's uh, let's let's get into how the show all works. Let me just let, let me let me break it down for you. Yeah. Screw what happened this week. I what <laughs> we just went over what happened this week. Oh, just the listen, scores. Listen, okay. <laughs> I'm I'm trying I'm trying to keep it t- on a tight schedule here. We went an hour and thirty last episode, so listen. we're trying to. You know, I want a feature length podcast every week. Feature length. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, because we want to get to time to talk about these scores. So I'm just going to... This week, we got to go fast. Got to go fast. Yeah. All right. Once a week, we set our topic or theme and go our separate ways to construct our own three-film stack. Then after a week, we come back here on the podcast and share our own stacks one film at a time. Then at the end of the show, we will mix and match our nine films to make the ultimate decision on what quintessential three-film stack we are checking out of this hypothetical video store. Oh! 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 Um, yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> uh, yeah. I got I got to reveal we got we got sort of a live audience on the podcast today. Our our friend Tori is listening in and she just texted me going, "Hey, you did it." <laughs> Supportive like, friend. Hey, what can I say? I'm a, I'm a natural host. What can I say? Hey, oh. All right. Let's get into it. Come on. Let's fucking do this thing. Christopher. Oh, am I going first? You're going first this week, buddy. No pressure. Bring us into your first film score. Okay. So um, the way I kind of approached the three films I'm going to be pitching is that I wanted them to be a variety of of like types of film scores. I didn't want to have like the same kind of like orchestral score across all three even though that those there are definitely like three very there are more than definitely very beautiful orchestral themes across all of cinema but i wanted to kind of give a a variety so i have one of each i have one traditional orchestral kind of piece which is combined with a musical uh second one is like a contemporary kind of synth heavy kind of sounding and the third is like a modern pop and rock kind of touch so i'm gonna start with the one that i think ethan had predicted me to pick 
Um, it was from this movie by this guy called Joseph Kaczynski yep. from 2010. It's Tron Legacy. Ooh. Uh, I really adore this score. I mean, like, oftentimes, like, there's always a joke going on that, oh, wow, they made a, they made a movie for this, for this soundtrack. It's almost like the, the soundtrack, not soundtrack, the original score by the amazing Daft Punk stands on its own apart from the film. And honestly, the film can, some people might even interpret the film as a byproduct of the score itself, even though I might not necessarily agree with that. But yeah, the score is so like synth heavy, but like it has this kind of future techno cyberpunk touch to it that ha- that like it brings out this like kind of energy and vibe in its film and also just like when you listen to a score on its own. Um, the tracks that I love most are either Derezzed or The Grid. Um, Ethan, I remember when Ethan and I actually took a class together um, over interterm last semester, at the end of last semester? No. Last la- well, yeah, last year. And we, um, every week we would drive out from our class in the middle of class because we have the lunch break and we would go to like Canes or sometimes we'd mix it up and go somewhere else. But we would always listen to either the Tron Legacy soundtrack in the soundtrack, original score in the car or um, Ocean Ocean by Pitbull. <laughs> classic, yeah. ultimate classic song on the Aquaman yeah. soundtrack. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I really, really love this score. I mean, like the film itself is kind of, is not the best, but like I would still definitely say this score itself is fantastic, even on its own. Um, further enhanced by the visuals. It kind of has this poetic touch to it. But yeah, what do you guys think? Go ahead, Brandon. I have I have no recollection of like the soundtrack whatsoever. What? Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> so I feel like the odd man out here. Do you remember the visuals more than the score? Honestly, yeah. Wow. Um, I love the... Uh, what I remember, it feels very techno. Am I wrong yeah. in that assumption? No, no, you're right. Okay. Uh, and I, it didn't really stand out to me when I was a kid, but the visuals did. So mm. I don't know. Maybe what track do you want me to listen to right now? I can do it. Uh, Derezzed uh, is been probably the highlight one. Derezzed um, from Tron. Ladies and yeah. gentlemen, we have our first. Double stack. That's what I'm calling it. <gasps> oh, no way. Our first double stack. Cause I I knew you were gonna put this on your list, but I was like, I can't I can't like lie to myself and not have this, even if someone else is picking this, you know? Yeah, there you go. So yeah, Tron Legacy is on mine. Um, what how I constructed my stack was sort of um, not necessarily like a music genre, but more of like the emotion that it brings for me. So I have like um. I have like a more uh, simple that like brings me joy, you know, a simple like happy score, you know, and then I have um, a score that like is like, oh, that's cinema, like a grand cinematic score. And then I have a score that just gets me fucking pumped, you know, and that's this score. That's the one to Tron Legacy. Like the way, first of all, Daft Punk is like, they're genre defining. They're genre defining artists and techno and like, um, my honorable mention for like this sort of category I made was um, Interstellar Five Five Five. I didn't know if I should count on this list because like it's a movie made by Daft Punk that's based off of Daft Punk's album Discovery, and it's sort of like it's sort of like a two-hour music video of their whole album. And I think Discovery is like 
probably one of the greatest albums ever made. And then they what they did with Tron is just like, oh, it's it gets me so jazzed and like, I think the grid is a great way. It's like one of the best openings of any film musically wise, you know. Yeah, it's like, absolutely. Bow, 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 and then banana, banana. Okay, but maybe I'll, maybe I'll slide this the soundtrack just a little bit, just silently enough for the copyright droids to like you know not detect it. But you can kind of yeah. hear it right now. I don't know. I mean, it's pretty good. Yeah, you just listen to it. Yeah, Derez is good, and then the other one you were just talking about was all right. The end titles are also that's also probably my second favorite track. Oh, like it's the, just like. It's like, um, fucking, I don't know. It's like the synths are so layered, you know, it's like, there's so much going on. Um, I don't know. It's amazing. It's what I think of when I think of like the future, you know, and just like the craziness of it all, of the digital world, the craziness of the digital world. (laughs) (laughs) No, we're not doing that again. Oh, well, Chris, I'm I'm proud that this film is the first double stack. Yeah, this show. is a great great first double stack. All right. All right. Well, um let's <laughs> Brandon's still jamming out. Is it to, to the Tron soundtrack or to what? No. Is it or is it to your the one you're about to talk about right now? It's to my number 1. All right, well, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Uh, it's the magical score by uh Joe Hisashi from uh, Hayao Miyazaki's second movie or third movie, uh, Castle in the Sky. Oh, oh, and I, I, what you've seen it? Oh. Yeah, Castle. Wait, Castle. Oh no, sorry, my brain thought House Moving Castle. Sorry, <laughs> I, I, sorry. What is it with Miyazaki making things move, fly that's not meant to fly? He's obsessed. It's he just freaking epic. It's epic. <laughs> anyway, go um, on. This score is like so sweeping and epic, and I was not expecting it when I first watched this movie a few weeks ago, it looked interesting. It looked like an interesting movie. So I wore, I put on my headphones. I was like, all right, let's see what we got. And the score just immediately was like enveloped my earlobes. And I was just like, this is godly. Like I, I wanted to cry based on how good it was. Like the, the first track of the movie uh, past the prologue is called the girl who fell from the sky and it has such this moving magical feel to it that like it's like this ethereal spiritual quality but it also has tracks that are more along the lines of like um less sweeping and they're like flying and stuff like that more like it like an adventurous and action heavy uh theme where it goes bum, 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 bum. it's so good <laughs> i this it, it it really gets like your blood pumping mm-hmm. <laughs> uh and it also is just super emotional and moving and I, I i petition anybody who hasn't listened to it or watched the movie with it with headphones to do that immediately right, right on I, mm. I, should i should i watch this movie before listening to the score like listen to it the first time with the movie or do you think it's yeah. okay for you to listen to the score on its own first i i I think for any film score, I think you should get the context of the movie. Yeah. You know? Because a lot of, like, what's going on screen should, like, dictate how you feel about the music, you know? Right. Um, yeah, this is a good pick. Uh, it's not my favorite of Joe 
Hisashi, but I know you love this one, Brandon. Um, he's just like, oh, he's such a, to quote um, uh, Hunt for the Wilder People, he's such a majestical uh, <laughs> composer. That's the only word I can think of for it. Like his, uh, I don't know, his little piano flares, you know? So good. Have become so iconic for Studio Ghibli. Um, it's he just like he he brings all these films to another level, like Princess Mononoke. That that score, like I feel like I'm going on a grand adventure, and My Neighbor Totoro, like I feel like um, I don't know, like I feel like I'm entering this magical world uh, that's in just in my backyard. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I. Castle in the Sky, I, I listened to some of the tracks like you told me to, Brandon, and maybe I gotta rewatch the movie, but like none of them really stood out to me as much as his other scores, like Spirited Away or Mononoke. <laughs> He's giving me another aura aura. I'm not doing that animation again like us <laughs> <last> episode. <laughs> but Brandon Brandon usually likes to just uh, f throw punches at me when we disagree. Uh -huh. Maybe we should have a new counter for that. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree. I disagree. <laughs> no. I yeah, this is yeah. It's it's like almost it's up there with Spirited Away uh that theme from that movie. I think it's called A Summer's Day. I could mm -hmm. be wrong. Um but it's just it's moving. It uses so many instruments like it starts out being like this like soft little like flute and piano like duet and then it goes in this that orchestra just moves and it feels like it feels like you're flying when you're listening to it and i kind of felt like i ascended like i was like <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna put in that spongebob ascension picture <laughs> <laughs> i fucking love that picture is that is that what you're trying to say <laughs> uh, it's like it's like i was like floating on my back and you know you've seen that meme where the guy is like floating in the air above a house that's me <laughs> yes i love that video so much that was me oh listening God. to castle in the sky for the first after time. this episode comes out i'm gonna have to edit those two that <laughs> you give me you give me the song and i'm gonna i'll put that over that video and I'm, i'll put it on our twitter and just say like brandon listening to the castle in the sky soundtrack <laughs> score not soundtrack. score oh yeah oh oh shame on me Minus one point for me. Yeah, no, no <laughs> Tron legacy. Nope. <laughs> that can't be on the stack. What if that is that? Should that be a new rule? If you mess up some terminology, then you automatically get one film not to be included. No, nope, <laughs> you, you messed up an actor's name. Sorry, you shouldn't have Sorry. done that. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like you're not going to get a film this week. Sorry about that. No, that's okay. <laughs> no, but I. Point. I don't understand like why this composer is not talked about as Joe much as, like yes as much as like John Williams or like Hans Zimmer or uh, James Horner you know because he's Japanese like, yeah I guess guess that's it like the Americans don't like, like our them. Americans and our British uh, composers fucking London Symphony suck my dick. <laughs> <laughs> We apologize and do not condone the, the actions taken against London Symphony and this podcast. Uh, I would like I'd like to apologize to the entire London Symphony for my words. Uh, I didn't mean it. I think I think Duel of the Fates is actually pretty good. So. 
<laughs> no, he, he deserves it. He just definitely deserves it. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. Oh. All right. Well, that right. that's a great first pick for you, Brandon. Yeah, My first pick, well. obviously, was Tron Legacy. So skip him. No, you, you, we can just go to Chris anyways, because I already said my piece on that. So, Chris, take us into your number two. All right, so my number two. So, like I said earlier, I wanted to do a variety. So, this one is my orchestral piece. But I also, and I wanted to do an orchestral piece for this one. And it was kind of up in the air between two films. But I ended up giving it to this one, the one that I did choose, because it also integrates like musical, like musical numbers into it if you will, um, over the other one, which was more simply orchestral. So I wanted to give it that extra variety. So I decided to choose this one. It's a film from 1994. You guys have any guesses yet? No. Uh, Shawshank Redemption. No. Damn it. You would think there's a, there's a musical number in Shawshank Redemption. Oh, well, like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I want Andy Dufresne's like I'm escaping <laughs> up in the big house. Do do do. I chose a 994 film. It's by Disney. It's The Lion King. Oh, of course. So, okay, I went with this film. Um, like I said, because it combines those two styles of original score. So obviously, you have the you know the original songs like Circle of Life. Can you feel the love tonight? Hakuna Matata. Um, uh, be prepared. And I'm sure I'm missing. I think I'm missing one more, but I forgot. Um, and if, but the, ske- I, the Skeeter Bug song. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there's also, but uh, yeah, and those songs have become like so iconic. There's that, obviously. But what really has been drawing me back to the score in this um, piece is actually some of the tracks that Hans Zimmer did for the movie and man just like the freaking um the score that plays when simba ascends um pride rock at the end of the film oh like that that gives me chills to this day and like it's so uplifting and so grand and it has that kind of like majestic touch that um that like i'm kind of like searching for in the film like with this kind of like life or death uh, destiny scope it's just so enrapturing i guess i don't know how else to describe it like the the kind of mood that the songs and the score gives puts me in is so like overwhelmingly emotional but also so like fun like obviously hakuna matata has been overplayed a billion times but like even then i still have fun with it and like be prepared is, a, is amazing like jeremy irons knocks it out of the park with that um circle of life you know like what else do you need? I'm about to uh, ruin your world, Chris. What? What? I'm, okay. <laughs> I'm about to ruin your world. Let uh, me finish. No, no, no. <laughs> Jeremy Irons did not sing Be Prepared. Oh, no. did he not? Oh, oh did he not? Oh, whoops. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. Uh, still good anyway. Who um, cares? <laughs> I care. Fuck you, whoever sang Be Prepared. Winnie Suck the my Pooh. dick. <laughs> the actor who's like Winnie the Pooh, who, who, who did Winnie the Pooh did Jim Cummings. Oh, wait, Jim Cummings sang it. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, it is. I weird. didn't know he was a singer. Wait, Jim Cummings didn't Jim Cummings also voice Ed the hyena? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. That's funny. Anyway, what the hell? Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, like, I always have like such a good time in this movie, and like the the music is honestly like one of the big reasons for that. I mean, like. 
I know like amongst the three of us, I think I believe I like this movie the most. Yeah. Um, it's my fifth favorite movie of all time. So I don't know. What are you guys? What are you guys thinking about this movie? Chris, what's your favorite uh, song in the movie? Can you feel the love tonight? Yeah, for sure. That 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 piece always like brings me to tears. Do Do you feel the love tonight? Absolutely. Or, or that specific night when you listen to it. Yeah, every night that I listen to it. Chris loves Nala. That's what happened. Hey, Chris is a fucking furry. <laughs> Brandon, what do you think of this movie? Uh, the movie. I mean, before, I don't know. The movie is like good, but it, like I think it's flawed. It's like one of the worst versions of Hamlet that I've seen. But you no, know, whatever. Um, I I love the soundtrack. It's not my favorite Disney soundtrack. I love um, Beauty and the Beast and Princess and the Frog quite a bit more. I think, uh, but the, it has a good mixture of like original songs and like beautiful numbers. Like the two number. Two musical numbers that speak to me the most from the movie are uh, "Just Can't Wait to Be King," just because it's so energetic uh, yeah. and happy. Yeah, yeah, I love, I love that. Um, the other one, which is more of like a score piece, is when he talks to his dad. Lay in the clouds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that might be my favorite one. That just—that's the one I always think of. Yeah, it's like. Oh. Yeah, I'm gonna put an echo effect to that. You know, I'm gonna make it real beautiful. <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, like that's a good pick. Uh, it's like, is it your favorite Zimmer score? Do you think? Oof, man, he's done some amazing work. Um, yeah. I'm just trying to think what else might top it. Interstellar. Well, The Dark Knight is there, but I don't think it has the best score. I just really like that movie. Um, Okay, I'm not gonna lie. The Kung Fu Panda two score is pretty pretty solid. Really? Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember don't what that sounds like. <laughs> no, but Zimmer like he does this way to like because it is an adaptation of Hamlet. You know, he he's able to like make this the score so regal and so like add some gravitas to these cartoon lions, but at the same time like keep these African roots to it. You know, which I think is really neat and. I would say this soundtrack does probably stick out the most for me when I think of Disney soundtracks. Like, I can't think of any Beauty and the Beast songs. I can think of Prince of the Frogs because I just watched it. But, like, I mean, there's Beauty and the Beast and Be Our Guest. I don't I don't remember the actual, like, not the actual. The, I don't remember the, the real overarching score to that. Mm. So, yeah, fuck you, Brandon. I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know why I decided to nitpick that so hard. I'm, I'm going to hit you. I'm I'm so aggressive this episode. I'm, I just want to apologize to everybody. I've had a, I've had a good day. I don't know why. Holy shit! Hans Zimmer scored Madagascar. What? Yeah, the original Madagascar. Wow. The two best Hans Zimmer scores are recent, and Who? they're don't say him. Don't say him. Why? Don't do it. Oh, it might be don't one of it. his. I have. Yeah. Oh, I know what he's doing. Yeah, okay, do I won't it. say don't anything. Oh, I know what you're doing. I know exactly. Don't what do you're it. Doing. Hey, don't wait. Wait. Don't do it. Another word, Brandon. Take us into your second. Uh, mine is a score from Philip Glass from the 1980s, and it's for Mishima, A Life in Four oh, Chapters. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That score. That melts. Philip oh, Glass. That's a dude I should have said in one of the all-time greats. Honestly, under but like I feel like a lot of people overlook his stuff. If I'm yeah. being completely honest here, 
Uh, maybe it's because he hasn't composed as much as like a John Williams or Ennio Morricone, maybe. Uh, oh. But uh, honestly, like the opening of Mishima is one of the best soundtrack moments. Like you hear like like wind chimes at first, and you're like, "What wind chimes? Like who uses that?" And then there's like a like a xylophone going back and forth. And then it just slowly and slowly builds up. And I think that's the best part of his score is his music just builds up over time to the point where it's like almost orgasmic to listen to, quite literally. That movie, it's got such a great mixture of like low level bass and high pitched like excitement to it. And And I can't get over it. Mix that with the visuals of that movie and it's quite possibly one of the best soundtracks in score or soundtracks scores and cinematography ever mixed together on film damn we're gonna need a a mishima live reaction if it's orgasmic (laughs) (laughs) or a live reaction from brandon i saw this move i saw mishima for the first time like i think maybe two three months ago now and it was like one of those movies that like Brandon had recommended uh, to me for so long. I think it was like right next, right up there with like Akira Kurosawa's Dreams, and I watched that like I think the day before it. So yeah, I remember like just kind of sitting on my couch, just staring at TV. As you do watching a movie. Yeah, <laughs> and then Brandon, I think much like you, I was just kind of sitting there like, uh, one of these movies, huh? All right, let's see where this goes. <laughs> um, and then oh man, like like. I don't like the movie as much as Brandon, but man, that score is really, really strong. What's his name? Like Phil, like something Glass. Phil Glass. Phil Glass. Um, yeah, he does a great job with that score, and like it's so, like um, it's kind of like the. Um, I love how it like kind of combines like an Eastern sounding touch to it, but like you know, and like pays tribute to like Eastern culture in such like a respectful, but like also kind of like loving and endearing way. It's definitely uh, unique. Like, yeah, absolutely. It combines cultures like West and East, and it it also takes like experimental routes with like what kind of instruments and objects it uses to communicate its score, which is another great reason why you, you could pick it because it's like you don't really hear that. You you usually stick to the brass instruments or the um, orchestral like basses and violins and string instruments. You know what I mean? And Mishima is so good that, like, I, I think they use his, the opening um, tune at the end of the Truman Show. Oh, really? Yeah. That's the cr- one. Yeah, it's so good. Did Philip Glass score all of the Truman Show? Or I know no. they used a lot of... No? They just, I don't think they so. They borrowed a lot, because they used they... Um, Poyana Scotsy mm-hmm. for when he's, like, realizing that everything's fake, you know? Yeah. Which I love. I think they just borrowed. Chris, do you remember the end of Truman Show since you watched it recently? Yeah, I do. Man, I mean, like that movie. What a what a grand, what a like an intimate way to show such a grand like story. Almost like it's yeah. so powerful. And like, man, when he's just at that like abyss of a door frame, and he just looks back, and you hear Ed Harris's milky voice coming through the clouds. <laughs> I don't oh like God. I don't like orgasmic and milky being used so much. <laughs> All right, I, I I'm just gonna make a decree to to cut down on the, that vocabulary from this podcast from now on. I'm sorry, I'm just trying to get across <laughs> my passions about cinema. <laughs> 
We're trying to express that we're real film fans. <laughs> uh, we orgasm in our movies. But you yeah. don't do that in your while watching your movies. You're not a film fan. <laughs> no, um, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, his milky voice. <laughs> uh, yeah, his like Ed Harris's voice coming through the clouds his... is like is so like powerful and just like the score complimenting it in the background is just so like you feel like this sense of like euphoria like, self-discovery and euphoria yeah, euphoria and just like you know letting go of like the past and like just moving forward and like learning about oneself i don't know it's just so yeah it's just so like interpersonal but yeah I mean, fantastic phil glass um, is like he's such uh it's it, he's such an experimental composer, but like also being completely classical at the same time. Um, another honorable mention on this list for me was uh, Koyaanisqatsi. That that score blew me away. E- everyone probably knows it from the Doctor Manhattan origin sequence from Watchmen, but like the whole piece, that whole movie, is absolutely insane. Brandon Brandon thinks it's too repetitive, hmm. but like that's what it's. Brandon, that's what it's supposed to be, dude. It's about yeah. the human race and how, like, we're working like machines and never mind. It just um, got monotonous after the first forty-five minutes. I'm not saying it not, was a bad movie. Not if you're high, dude. <laughs> Pro tip: <laughs> things things won't get old if you're high. <laughs> uh, but yeah, have you heard? Um, he scored the 1930 Dracula. Did he or, really? 1931. Yeah, he rescored it. Yeah, I I own. Yeah, he rescored it. Yeah, not. Wait, he's that old, man. (laughs) It's it's like a recent. (laughs) No, but he rescored it, and it's absolutely beautiful. Like I, I own it on DVD, and it's like, it's if you want to make your your. uh, It's not. It's not even a silent film, I guess, because that's 1930. I guess he just they just replaced the score, but like it's really good. I, I recommend everyone check it out. Another track I want to suggest to our listeners is the Temple of the Golden Pavilion. Um, it's extremely, extremely beautiful. The way it pairs strings together that shouldn't necessarily be together. And the way it sticks to the lower uh, bass tones. And then the way it builds up, just like the opening of the film, is just as beautiful, in my opinion. That might, I think that's the most beautiful sequence in the film. Yeah, I agree. Just the colors mixed with that, and just like the beauty and kind of horror of it. I don't want to give too much away, but I love yeah. that. Okay. All right. Mishima, we're this is a very sophisticated podcast. All right. So now I can finally introduce a piece. Jesus Christ, Chris, stealing my thunder. Just kidding. Ha uh, ha. So my second. Uh, piece. This was originally my first. Tron Legacy was my second, but I swapped it around. Improv. On air. Um, so mine is also a Studio Ghibli film, but it's not uh, It's not from our buddy Joe Hisashi. It's, um, this is a really underrated film. This was the score that I was talking about earlier where I had to go deep diving on the internet to find. Um, I know Brandon doesn't like it. He told me he didn't like it when he, when he first watched the movie. I um, said it was the weakest part of the movie. The weakest? Oh, my God. Oof. Oof. Okay, the movie is uh, Tomomi uh, Mochizuki's Ocean Waves. Um, 
Now, what I wanted to do for this list was um, sort of talk about films whose scores like are better than the films themselves. Like, I my favorite aspect of the film is the score, <laughs> and that's my favorite aspect of this film. Like, the closest things I can compare it to is uh, like a Joe Hisashi score with the piano, but as well as like it's got some jazz in it. It's got, um, I said it reminds me of Super Mario Sunshine like the vibes that it brings from that and an animal crossing game it's so the okay so the movie's about um the student college who's re, who's like remembering um a high school lover and like how they met and like how their relationship developed and him coming to the realization in college that he was in love with her you know um and it's just so it's so simplistic and um again it's like it's wavy it's because it's you know they they you, they really go for those tropical elements because they go to Hawaii for on a vacation and like there's this one piece where the only like I don't know what instrument they're using but it sounds like the noise that clouds would make and it's just it's so relaxing it's so peaceful and it makes me like it, it's honestly like that's the element that makes me feel the romance in that movie because I don't think like the uh, the plot's all that well it's like it's a it's a mid-tier ghibli movie but that score like oh it's magical it's magical <laughs> no it's not <laughs> let it be known wow. that brandon likes the incest ghibli movie so no, he's not allowed I, to speak on this subject all right it's not about that she said what she said we're talking about up on poppy hill sorry spoilers but that's that's a spiritual incest movie and you all know it she no. said what she she meant when she said when she I, said I don't care if you're my brother I'd still be in love with you. It's a beautiful movie about fathers and daughters, okay? It's a beautiful movie Whoa. about loving your brother. <laughs> <laughs> okay? Oh. And the Ocean Wave score is amazing. No, it's not. It's hokey and melodramatic. Uninspired. Okay, there's one it's- there's one song that's melodramatic that sounds like like um a telenova. Okay, I'll give you that. There's one. When he's running to the airport, like that that's what I just I listened to the whole score like a couple hours a couple hours ago. That's like the one that I don't really it doesn't sit well with me, but the rest oh so like, boring. The the main motif The movie's is not like, but the score is. Okay. Well, I think but, that's the, probably the only time I'm ever going to mention this film on this podcast, so I felt like I it'd be good for me to bring it up. It's not well, I don't know. What were you going to say about the main motif? I don't know. It's just so simple. It's just a piano, like bum, 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 and it's just like it gives you the feeling of um, meeting someone you're gonna fall in love with for the first time, and it makes my heart sore. Oh, it's so good. But Brandon, you know, he likes the brothers and the sisters, so it's <laughs> not about. That. It's not um. a. It's not about that. It's about building a clubhouse. No, yes, not. it is. No, it's not. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, let's get away from this. Uh, Chris, do you wanna yeah. do you wanna bring us into your third and final? Yeah. So okay, my final is my pick for the other genre I wanted to do, which was modern pop and rock. Well, it kind of worked out because now we have now we're gonna have three anime films in our list. We really like Japanese. Oh, no, <laughs> we're kind Brandon, of a bunch you know. of weebs. Yeah. <laughs> We've been well. We've all well, especially you guys have been on an anime kick lately. 
I, and a lot of people have been rewatching, watching or rewatching Last Airbender on Netflix. So, but that's not really. An, I mean, it I know, but anime. like it, it looks it, anime it, to me. It's base but... anime. I don't know what else to call it. Yeah. Anyway, um, my pick. Come on, you guys know this is coming, right? Yeah. That's the one. <laughs> he, he, Brandon just spoke fluent Japanese right there. That's true. Um, it's Makoto Shinkai's Your Name. Um, oh man, this movie. This movie is so fucking magical throughout the entirety of it. Um, I know Brandon said one of the weak, the weaker parts of the film for him was the score. Mm. Um, and I think the, I think was it the editing? I don't know. There was one other thing, but something like that. I, it anyway. just didn't pair well with the acting of the movie because the acting is like very melodramatic and over the top, and then the score is so beautiful and light and delicate, you mm. know. And I don't think like it matched in those moments. Right. No, but, I do. I yeah. do totally get that. Like the film is like, like the content of the actual film itself is very intimate and very mm-hmm. like one-on-one and very like condensed between a world of two people. Mm-hmm. But, um, and yeah, the score is so like, even at times can even get very overwhelmingly operatic and very, very strong, like, you know, in worldening, but, oh man, like, when I hear like Rad like Radwimps, the band that did the score and like paired with the visuals here, like and the way it makes you feel, that energy and that sense of like destiny and like you know, not and like just abandoning um what you're meant to do and doing what you what your heart tells you to do is just so so powerful to me. And like there are like there are tracks like Sparkle or Zen Zen, how do I say it? Zen Zen Zensei and Yume Todova, where the score is just so incredibly like emotional, but also kind of like brings out this like very childlike whimsy in you that like I just can't, um, you know, I just can't let it go. It's just so like, I don't know, it just, it just hits me on a certain level that like, and it's almost empowering, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, like, you guys both saw, I mean, Brandon, you saw this in your freshman year of college, and Ethan, you saw this, like, a couple months ago, I think, or a couple weeks, something like that. A couple weeks ago, yeah. Yeah. So what do you guys think of this movie, the, the movie and the score? Well, I I can't really, like, the score isn't necessarily the first thing I would think of when I think of this movie, but um, I do like that Shinkai does sort of do, like, these music videos in his movies to, like, these songs, you know? Like, yeah, some, like, like over, mo- over montages, you know? There's yeah, like yeah. Time lapses and stuff. Time lapses. Yeah, I did that in Weathering With You as well. The yeah. The other Shinkai film I've seen. But, like, I think it I think it works for, like, the drama that he's, like, trying to capture in his films, you know? Um, yeah, I can't really say any specific songs speak to me, like, or really spoke to me at all during that film. But, like, I can't say, like, that the score didn't, uh, not help. <laughs> that was a lot of uh, negatives. You you guys try to figure out what I was trying to say there. The sc- I can't say that the score didn't not help the movie. All right, someone write that down on a chalkboard and try to figure out the the so, of that. <laughs> okay, the score definitely helped the drama of the movie. Is what I was trying to say. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and I think yeah, I do. <laughs> He's falling apart. I am falling apart. It's really hot in here. I have to turn off my fans because my microphone can pick it up. So Ethan's melting. I'm I'm sweating over here. Uh, but yeah, that's a good pick, Chris. What do you think, Brandon? 
Uh, like I said, it doesn't really match. Like, as a score on its own, I feel like I could really listen to it. Like, the piano uh, in the movie, whether it be from Sparkle or uh, other songs uh, from the soundtrack, such as Date 2 or Zen Zen Zen, which has less piano in it, but still there. Uh, very beautiful very moving but as a like with the movie i don't think it pairs necessarily quite well because like and i have the same problem with weathering with you from shinkai where i say i feel like the score in like ghibli movies is more like moving and like concurrent with the film's tone and themes uh sometimes it like doesn't always connect and it feels like kind of abrasive like there are certain rock songs for the transitionary periods that feel kind of like awkward going from piano to like is like really rough and scary 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 i love rock oh no <laughs> brandon's watching the movie and then it goes and then he goes <laughs> brandon i think if you got scared you'd be like a you're like a luigi kind of scared like from luigi's mansion <laughs> oh no that's the kind of scared i'd see you get I guess I have seen you scared because we went to Not Scary Farm. <laughs> Anyways, that's enough about I guess our I'm life idiot. stories. I guess you're an idiot. <laughs> wow, but uh, it's almost like you have no musical taste is what we're trying to say. Well, Zen Zen Zensei doesn't have piano in it, and I feel like an idiot. But I stand by what I said about the transition from that song to another song being very r- awkward. Okay. Yeah, all right. <laughs> all right. Brandon. Um, Brandon. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead to your number three. My last film is... My last film. My father was a drinker. <laughs> a fiend. My father liked soundtracks over scores. <laughs> I hated my father. Uh, my, right, my score is by Maurice Jarre. Jarre. Uh, and it's from this film... From the 1950s, no, 1960s, 1962. <laughs> like, jumping through time over here. 1962's Lawrence of Arabia. Oh. This okay. this score, the main theme, paired with the location, paired with the way they use drums and other songs and like uh, typical Middle Eastern instruments, is so beautiful and out of this world because of the fact that like it's bombastic but also like like my previous pick in um um uh, in philip glass's mishima very delicate the the strings for the main theme is just so impeccable and moving and it also pairs ex- great with the visuals and tone of the movie as this vast epic about uh, a, a man in the middle east trying to like join a revolution essentially so good great desert movie brandon yeah one of the only ones one of the few <laughs> desert movies that brandon likes i like westerns but like they can't always be isolated there's, there's like cliffs and valleys in those movies so it's not necessarily like purely desert yeah it's not flat folks brandon has this thing about, uh, against movies being in a desert for some reason yeah just he's never he's never seemed to like one when it's based in a desert so mad max is good Okay. But, but that's because it pairs well with the 
the environment that they're trying to promote rather than shoehorning in a desert for no reason. <laughs> Looking at you, La Vida Secas. Uh, but yeah, first entrance to the desert is one of the most outstanding score pieces ever. That is, the desert is a bombastic like entrance, another like good entrance to the the culture, and I love it so much. It's we just, really good. We just had a viewer suggestion that I switch it to Kangaroo Jack. Oh shit! Uh, <laughs> we should have done Kangaroo Jack. Bow. Wait, is that really in the movie? They use it 20 it's, times. It's not that exact one from the Snoop Dogg song, but it's like, it's this weird ripoff of just like that little, that little bit in the song. And it's, it does it every time Kangaroo Jack comes on screen and it just like... <laughs> Like what? Why is this in it so much? <laughs> it's, it's the best. Yeah. Y'all no, but Lawrence of Arabia is great. Chris, I know you haven't seen it, yeah. but Ethan, what do you got? I oh, it's like this is the theme of classic Hollywood for me. You know. That you know, like yeah. it. It just perfectly captures, like, this man in a completely... Going on this quest in this completely different world to his own, you know? In this, uh... Barren. It's world. barren, but it also is full of life, you know? Wonder. Like trying, it's full of wonder and life. And it's just... I think it, the, the film and the score, they're, they're inseparable. Like, if you think of the film, you think of that sweeping score. And, mm -hmm. uh... Peter O'Toole on a camel going across the desert there. But I, yeah, I just can't get over it. I think like that it's like you like you said it's so inseparable from the film, but it's like one of the few mo like scores that like makes me cry because of just how beautiful it is. You know, that moment. I'm I know it's one moment within the movie we're talking about specifically with this theme. But, like, the rest of the score is also really good and culturally, like, there. It gets the drums right. It gets, like, uh, they don't play sitar, but I, I forget, like, they play a bunch of different drums and, like, string instruments that are not Western uh, mm -hmm. necessarily. Uh, but, like, definitely that. Just, it's just amazing, outstanding score. I love it. Love this pick. Chris, do you, do you have anything to add? Or are you gonna uh, watch this movie ASAP? Quite frankly, I, this is honestly like yeah, one of the movies on my watch, like top of watch list. It's literally, I think it's literally like second to Children of Men. I haven't seen. Oh that. my god! Right. Yeah. So another good uh, score. <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, like, I literally have not heard a single chord from this score, so I have no idea what, what it sounds like. Maybe it's best that way because when when you hear it in the film, it just makes <laughs> the film all the better. Like, yeah, it, I imagine. Don't um, like you shouldn't listen to it before and expect for it to show up. But yeah, yeah. continue. Yeah, I, I haven't seen like any like so I haven't seen the movie, but I've seen like a lot of the iconic shots. We study them all the time in our cinematography classes. Like, cause oh my fucking the this is like probably some of the best use of like seventy millimeter cinema scope I've ever seen. Yeah, and like there's a. Brandon, am I correct to say this is the movie where there's a shot of like a guy blowing out a match or a candle and then it cuts to a sunset? 
or yes. sunrise. That's yes. the a moment. the match cut. Right. So yeah, that is like, better than two thousand ones. Oh. Sh- Just kidding. <laughs> I'd love it when that bone turned into spaceship. You shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> uh, Listen, they're both good. Anyway, yeah, I mean, like, I I would love to like hear this score sometime. I might even play it like after we record. But yeah, that sounds like you said. Like, it kind of, as Ethan said, it kind of captures that classical Hollywood. You know, it's like an encapsulation of that entire era of cinema, and that's such like a pivotal time for the industry. So. You know, I, I have nothing but good hopes for it. I think you should watch it on the plane to America. No, don't. <laughs> the whole it's a horrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, watch it on your big TV, Chris, and yes. at your house, please. <laughs> You'll cry. But like, that score is like the definition of an epic. You know. Yeah. It feels so massive. Yeah. Like a real war is happening on screen. It's like Rand's almost. My fucking ears get heavier when I listen to it. Whoa. All right, Ethan. All right. right. Now to end off mine is is my favorite film score of all time. Um, This is 4D. This is for the the score to this is forty. When Paul when Paul Rudd is playing Words with Friends on the toilet, it's simply magical. No, no, it's Man of Steel. Like, oh, Hans Zimmer was tasked with the near impossible job to make a Superman score greater than John Williams. And he does it. And he failed. No, he doesn't I'm, fail. I'm joking. He did good. <laughs> he, you did good, kid. You did good. But I just rewatched the first Superman for the first time. Not for the rewatched for the first time. What the fuck am I talking about? I rewatched it yesterday. Um, not yesterday. Two days ago. Holy fucking shit! I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I I rewatched it two days ago, and John Williams score in that like. It makes it elevates the film to some to be more than just a superhero film for me. And Hans Zimmer takes that and go flies even higher. Uh, I can't think of a more inspirational score than uh, "What Will You Do?" Uh, what's the song name? Jesus Christ! Uh, oh my God! I don't even have it on the computer. What are you going to do when you? What are you not- going to do when we're not saving the world? What are you gonna do when you're not saving the world? Is I I use that song like when I'm trying to motivate myself to work to like uh, like when I'm exercising or whether I'm working on a project. Just like I could do this, I could do this, you know. And just he, Hans Zimmer uses like a perfect those the drums the doom and like. The, the choirs that he uses in Man of Steel is is amazing and uh, the the strings that like presents like the the sort of battle motif in Man of Steel like the dun 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 like I I just I fell in love with it the the first time I saw it in 2013 and it's it's a score that I probably go back to the most out of any it's the it's probably the i think it's the only soundtrack i own every single song to 
and I will listen to all the way through. There's like, there's even like a he on the soundtrack. He has a 28 minute long song of just like Hans Zimmer just going nuts with the Man of Steel theme, and it's amazing. It's mm-hmm. amazing. I this it like it's so inspirational. It makes me uh, fucking well poop. up with emotion oh. whenever I listen to it. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not gonna do any. <laughs> <laughs> yo, yo, yo. I, I wouldn't say it's orgasmic but it, it, it gets me pretty it gets me pretty hyped let's just say that uh, okay yeah it's not even my favorite song of the soundtrack Ethan what what you doing I say in the world I don't think it's my I think flight is probably mine really flight or I will find him mine is look to the stars oh when he's being first born yes that, that one's too so good as well that, that just raises goosebumps on my arm yeah I remember hearing that. I, I was not a big DC guy before um, before I saw Man of Steel in 2013. Mm-hmm. I saw it in an all-state screening, and I went in just... I had read a few action comics growing up, but I was more of a Marvel guy. And that movie made me a fan of Superman. Because I didn't like the second Superman 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought Superman was okay when I first saw it. Now I think it's much better. But when I saw Man of Steel, I was like blown away by the scale of that film and it gets really shit on by the comic book community well it did when it came out it did but I think now it's, it, I, I think it's slowly coming back like, it did a speed racer 180 yeah yes. absolutely <laughs> but yeah, it, boy. yeah but one of the aspects that always stuck with stuck with me from the first time i watched it was the musical score and it's not just the themes or the motifs that zimmer uses throughout the score it's just the it's inspirational like i think yeah. that's a word that i think gets overlooked a lot when people talk about this movie it's just like the the uplifting nature of it because it's about flight it's about your past it's about coming to terms with you as a human being and you really see that or hear that in his score and i love it so much what do you think chris yeah i i remember um kind of much like brandon like i superman was not someone i was like particularly drawn to as a superhero when i you know, like was a kid because I always found myself drawn more to like Spider-Man and Batman. Um, but yeah, this was one of the movies that like really cemented and like God, like I was named after Christopher Reeve, so I was named after the actor who played Superman. So uh, it's almost Chris, like I should be. Henry Cavill. Last episode, last episode, you said your namesake was Christopher Nolan, and now you're saying it's Christopher Reeve. <laughs> get your story straight. <laughs> <laughs> I was when I was okay. What I was saying when I was Did editing that, the episode, I was like. That? Yeah, you said your namesake was Christopher Nolan. I'm like, ah, yes. Your parents saw Memento in 2003 and changed your name to to Christopher after that. (laughs) Wait, I I meant uh, Reeve. Sorry, I didn't even notice that. Um, (laughs) It's fine. Yeah, anyway, back to Man of Steel. So yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of Superman as a kid, but um, because, you know, I was kind of just like, oh, he's like a super overpowered alien. Like, that doesn't feel like, you know, any kind of, like, superhero that I want to get invested in because I... I could, like, for example, like Spider-Man, I feel like even the reason he's so popular for at least, at least a lot of people is because he's so accessible and he's so relatable. At least, you know, a young kid in a big world I, who can't relate to that. But for Superman, I was always kind of like, oh, alien, overpowered, I can't. But, man, this movie, like, you really dive into, like, what it means, like, to him to be a hero and, like, what, like, what does that mean? And, like, you know, how does one discover their true power? So my favorite piece in across the entire thing is flight. 
Yeah. Um, oh man, when he takes off off that ground and like you just hear like those drums kick in and you just feel like how, like it's like him, like his, it's his big moment of self-discovery, if you will. Yes. And yeah, that, that hits. Like that, that, that is my favorite scene in this entire movie, actually. I think you perfectly summed it up with like how, I, I, I guess all three of us like came to fall in love with the character through this film because like you would see other superheroes like Spider-Man and Batman and you'd see, you know their weaknesses, you know, like both physically and emotionally. And you saw Superman, you saw this, this all-powered guy. You're like, this guy's just boring. Just He's just weak to like a, a, a rock, you know, but like that's such a rare thing. He can always save the day. But in this film, I really feel like Zack Snyder and with the help of Hans Zimmer, like establishes that like this dude's weakness is his like his struggle to like um get closer to humanity and like he has to hold in like this power that he has in him and that's why i love like uh the subtlety throughout the score um Mm -hmm. when he's just normal clark kent like you know being bullied by people and restraining himself but when he finally takes off on the and use and through that score flight it's just like oh what this is this is a great immigrant story too. Yeah. And I, I don't know if the I don't know if this is what you guys get, but it feels like a profoundly like American score. And I hate to say that because like I don't want to sound like a nationalist on this podcast. But American number one. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> but like I just love the way it like I mean echoes like the bombacity and like largeness of it all. And like the, of the situation, and then in the smaller moments, such as any moment with Kevin Costner's uh, Pa Kent in this movie, it's just mm. pr- supremely moving. The scene after Clark saves the bus, and he's having that talk with him, and he finds out where he's from, and the the the, the Superman theme that Hans Zimmer has crafted is lightly playing in the background. It's just oh, Chef's kiss. Yeah. Pizza mm. Chef. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, quick plug. If you guys go onto my letterbox, I pinned this review. Uh, I, I, I sort of analyzed like, uh, Zack Snyder's Superman as an immigrant story and how that compares to the, his first appearance in Action Comics number one. I did it through Batman vs. Superman because I think that that film takes more of like the xenophobic lens of Superman's struggles, you know, through like the people like reprimanding him from his actions at the end of man of steel but i still think that like what Zack snyder does with this character is like it's really being slept on by most people and i'm glad that like uh man of steel is sort of coming back around as not just oh it's superman but dark no it's superman in like a dark situation you know it's it's a superman that we all know just placed in like um unusual waters unusual waters in a in a different america than the america that most people see him as yeah it's not, like but not this not the not as much of a different america as the one he's created and if you read those first few issues like superman in action comics number one he's like he's beating up domestic abusers and corrupt mm-hmm. politicians in mm-hmm. just the first issue mm-hmm. and like it's it's so interesting to see like how the parallel Zack Snyder makes to like what is responsibility in America as an immigrant? You know, it's a great nine like, eleven movie. Yes, honestly, Another, yes. I oh. both both the first two Zack Snyder Batman versus Superman and Man of Steel yeah. are just really capture like the America we see today. I think that's what you're trying to get at, right? Yes. Is this like dire, um, 
lost world that's not the same as it was in the 1950s and 60s and 30s i think the 30s right when action comics one came out it was just a very different world where it was just good and bad and there was no moral ambiguity but he finds that somehow because superman was created by two jewish immigrants who came to uh well first canada but then america they're they're fleeing the war and they wanted to create a character of what it means to be uh, a refugee in America and like what your responsibility is, you know, mm-hmm. and you see a lot of the parallels between that and uh, this post nine eleven, where now a, a lot more people are shaking up what, how we should treat outsiders and how like and how outsiders like see themselves in this more uh, in this darker time, you know. You get behind that. Yeah, check out check out my little piece I wrote. I don't know, maybe you like it. Maybe you hate this movie and scream at us in the comments. I don't know. But yeah, that's my final film, Man of Steel. That was a great discussion, boys. Woo. All right. Shall we Shall we run down our three film yeah. scores? No. Let's do it. No. Okay. Uh, that'll be it for the show. We're not going to do a final stack this episode, so we'll catch you guys next week on Stacked. No. Okay, Chris. Yep. Hit us with your three. So my first one is Tron Legacy. Second is Lion King. And third is your name. Nice. Brandon? My first is Castle in the Sky. My second is Mishima, Life in Four Chapters. And my number three is Lords of Arabia. Okay. And my stack is Tron Legacy, like Chris. First ever double stack. Then Ocean Waves. uh, Classic Ghibli score, according to Brandon. Just kidding. And then Hans Zimmer's Man of Steel. All right. I got a stack. Yeah. I do. I do. Right before we do, just want to shout out our live viewer who messaged me just a bit ago and said, and is giving us shit for sleeping on Giac- Michael Giacchino. Oh, shit. I mean, up's good. <laughs> there you <laughs> that's go. It. That's all. all right. That's all you get to her. Anyway. Doctor uh, Strange but... is good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Brandon, what's your, what's your pitch? Uh... <laughs> Yeah, pitcher stack. Uh, I think you gotta have Lawrence of Arabia on here. I think you gotta have Man of Steel on here, and I think you gotta have Tron Legacy. That's what I was gonna say, man. What do you think of that, Chris? Because we have our Hans Zimmer with Lion King, you know, and Man of Steel. I think we can all, and I think the the consensus is uh, for the three of us that we like kind of like Man of Steel a bit more, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to do an anime one between Castle in the Sky. Uh, Ocean Waves in your name, but I would rather have... I think t- Tron Legacy is a must since it's a double stack. I right. Think. Um, mm. But I would much rather have Lawrence of Arabia. Is, would you say Lawrence of Arabia is a very... Like, is it like a very orchestral, like traditionally orchestral kind of piece? Or like, how would you characterize it? Does it have like strings and horns and stuff like that? Like, what kind I of... wouldn't say it's like all traditional. Like sometimes like they, they definitely branch out. It's definitely not as experimental as... Uh, I don't know. Mishima. Mishima. Mishima is very experimental. Uh, Castle mm. in the Sky feels like a classic score as well. Like that feels more traditional than this one does. Mm-hmm. But Lawrence of Arabia is just so iconic, you know? Right. And I would like, I would be objecting to two like heavily orchestral scores on this. Yeah, because that's my main but, concern. I feel like we could we could get some variety in here. But what I'm saying, but what I'm going to say is like Man of Steel is a lot more. Um, I don't know. There's a lot more energy to it. Where mm-hmm. um, where Lawrence of Arabia is a lot more sweeping, you know, and it's like 
it's a lot more reflective so if we're doing a three film here here's how i'm going to approach this yeah if these three films are very long and drawn out because lawrence of arabia is kind of long might be difficult to put it at the the end or in the middle of a stack do you think we should go with something shorter like a castle in the sky because we they also have to watch the movie they're not just listening to movie scores right you're what you're watching you're watching these movies for the scores mm-hmm. is what like we intend this triple feature to be here's here's where i'm at right now i do think tron legacy is like the obvious is obvious and lawrence of arabia is a good pick as well um but i feel like we can also still bring in a little bit more diversity into this score um whether that be in the form of like um, Castle in the Sky or Lion King or Your Name or Ethan, there was one in your list that now have... that's not going to be in it. I don't no. know, but like <laughs> not. It's because not. like I feel like if, for example, I feel like if we might have gone with like say Man of Steel, it might be it might mirror a little, a li- even though it is yes different from Lawrence Arabia, had like such like at least some similar characteristics, whereas I'm film like I, I don't know but like castle in the sky or lion king or your name might be a little bit more you know like it might have a more distinct touch to it and i think i'm replacing kind of... castle in the sky with lords of arabia then or vice versa okay i yeah i i would rather have man of steel than lords of arabia just because like yeah i agree just because of the discussion we have i think we've all praise that more i like man of steel the score better than lawrence of arabia mm-hmm. i think that takes precedent in this stack okay. and i I'd be fine with doing Castle in the Sky. Maybe I, I, I'm going to rewatch that film tomorrow. Why not tonight? Um, I don't know. It's nine twenty-nine. Never stopped you before. It's true. Right, <laughs> I don't know. I'll do it after this. We'll see what happens. Let's do an HBO Max party, you and me. <laughs> they Chris, do that. That'd yeah, yeah, they could. We don't okay. have HBO. We don't have HBO here. So how oh. should we? Um, how should we order this? So we're okay. Here's here's how I think. I think we should start with Castle in the Sky. I agree. And then Tron Legacy is sort of like a lots of energy climax, and then we end end with Man of Steel, like the really inspirational one. It's just weird to bridge Castle in the Sky with Man of Steel or with Tron Legacy. Tron. So you you think Tron should be first? Tron, last? Man of Steel, Castle in the Sky. I don't want to end with Castle in the Sky. I think Tron, Castle and Sky, Man of Steel. What do you think, Chris? You haven't seen Castle and Sky. I haven't seen Castle and Sky, so I have no idea. Do you think Man of Steel should end this, or should it be in the middle? It's such a grand score, though, you know? I feel like Tron... I think Tron is a great opening. Yeah. Because, like, you have that... The grid. The grid. And then the ending of that is like, oh, wow, like, that's it. Let's go to the next one. So... I would say maybe Tron, Castle, and then Man of Steel. Two beats one, Brandon. Sorry, sucker. I, no, I, I was about to agree. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, there we yeah, go. Yeah, we got you this episode. Yep. Everyone in the comments say, we got you, Brandon. <laughs> I'm going to go to the bathroom. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, there it is. That's our stack. Man, uh, one, one day, Lion King and your name will make it to final stack. Yeah. No. One day. <laughs> no. I will never stop pitching these movies. I, I think naked. it'll happen one day. I think it'll happen one day. But let's right. let's let's run it down. Chris, you want to start us off? Yep. 
Um, so our first film is a 2010 film by Joseph Kaczynski, Tron Legacy, and scored by Daft Punk. Techno, funk, just crazy, synth, yeah, all the way. So much fun. Brandon, take us in number two. All right. Our number two. <laughs> Our number two is Castle in the Sky by Joe Hisashi. Uh, great moving orchestral score that is like, but has a bunch of variety in it. It's got that great intermittent theme throughout. That's really excellent and is amazing and magical. And I'm not going to say it, but good. <laughs> also, also we got a little adventure to it, and you can't miss out on a movie with both adventure and magic. Yes, and finally. The score that will truly make you believe that a man can fly. It's not John Williams. It's speed Hans racer. Zimmer's. It's speed. It's Kangaroo Jack. No, it's Man of Steel. Uh, one of the most inspirational. Brilliant. Thrilling. Yes, it's it's inspirational. It's thrilling. It's full of suspense. It's uh, emotional. It's a it's emotional. Thanks for helping me out here. It's really it's really hot in this room. I think I'm about to faint. <laughs> and that's our part. No. <laughs> and it'll just it'll make you want to run that extra mile. It'll make you uh feel like you're invincible. F- f- be invincible. It'll make you want to finish that paper. It'll make you want to uh code those computers. I don't know. What do what do people do these days? <laughs> That people have struggled doing. Anyways, Man of Steel, that's our third film for our quintessential soundtrack. No, film score. Ooh, film score stack. And that's it. That's the show, everyone. Just for that, we're taking off Man of Steel. All right, and our number three. No, just kidding. <laughs> just and our number three is Kangaroo Jack. Boom. Okay. Thank you all for listening to Stacked, episode seven. Uh, film scores uh i hope you're liking it so far if you have any uh suggestions for future topics maybe you can leave them down in the comments or hit us up on twitter let us know um also much like the mighty oak we are we have continued to expand we are now on two other podcast services we are on breaker and radio plays so if you guys love using those ones that I've never heard of in my life, <laughs> listen to us on those. On those, I don't know. It's I mean, hey, the more the merrier, right? Honestly, the more the more accessible we are, the better. Yeah, I agree with that. That's good. See, yeah. like we said, we hear we we give you the right to choose here on Stacked. Listen to Stacked however, wherever you'd like, however you'd like. How how orgasmic you'd like it to be? If you'd like this podcast to be more more orgasmic, let us know. Like the All video, right. yeah. Should we um... like the video? Also, can I just say, people subscribe to our channel. We only have fourteen subscribers. Come on, guys, <laughs> please subscribe. Um, <laughs> since we Chris. we started this episode singing the Avengers theme, should we cap it off? by singing the the real hero yeah is that how that goes yeah it goes and then pew na na
That sounds like Dahu Doris. Let's do that one. Dahu Doris, Dahu Doris.